I want a world where no one alive can remember what the word war means. A world free of violence and injustice, where everyone is equal. Why doesn't it happen? 7,000 years ago, men chose to worship money and power over. This is why no political system works. No political system, because the value system is money and power over. This is our God. Clowning in a hospital is like this one hair on my head. The idea is to end market capitalism. Why clown in a hospital? Because hospitals are horrible places. No one likes being in a hospital. A hospital is serious. No medical school in the world teaches compassion. And when I was a medical student, I see. But long before I go to medical school, I see a world that is serious. At 18, when I decided to make this love revolution, I started to clown everywhere. Not think hospital or nursing home because the adult world was serious. The adult world was oppressed by this global idea that money and power over are God. My first trip was the Croatia-Bosnia trip, but that was like a very weird, we were supposed to be escorting peace elephants from Croatia to a zoo in Serbia that were donated by these people in Japan. But then the elephants got hung up with foot and mouth disease in India. So the elephants were never able to get to Croatia. And so then us clowns would don these super elegant elephant costumes that were supposed to be made for the elephants that we were supposed to be parading through Croatia and Serbia for this Japanese filmmaker. That was a very bizarro trip. I remember us clowning in a zoo, a bombed out zoo in Serbia with a bunch of traumatized animals. And I remember being at the monkey bars, like in this monkey saw one of the clowns with balloon boobs and the monkey just came up to the bar and got super horny and just like jacked off right in front of all of us. And I'm a 12 year old clown boy. So that image is burned in my mind. That's one of my most clear memories of my first clown trip. But then the first like clown, clown trip where we, it was all visiting hospitals, orphanages, and nursing homes, prisons, schools, was to Cuba, I think 2003 or 2004. And are there any films of the elephant thing that you were talking about? They still made the documentary, Patch, you don't remember? We had, you had all these animal costumes made and we were like doing weird animal costume theater and like dilapidated war-torn buildings. That was my first exposure to like Japanese culture and like European Croatian culture. It was like, yeah, it's the essence of what the clown trips are, like a, a mixing of different cultures and clowns and people from all ways of life. 
in a melting pot with the shared desire of playing together in community. If, if I heard this conversation, I would say, I'm going on that next clown trip. How's it going today, Patcher? <laughs> Lars, it's the best day of my life. So you woke up this morning and what happened? Well, I, I knew that this was the best day of my life. Hey, sir, how's your day going? You know, thanks for asking. It's the best day of my life. Welcome to the best day of my life, Patch Adams' journey to the Nobel Peace Prize nomination with Patch and Lars Adams. In previous episodes, Lars unraveled his dad's young life, which formed Patch into a revolutionary peace worker clown. In this episode, we uncover the story of how Patch's hands-on peace work leading groups of brightly clad gestures to the most dire and dangerous places on planet Earth, began. I'm producer Rainbow Valentine, and when Lars and I started to work on this episode, we found Patch was reticent to call the places he goes dangerous or dire. I found him utterly lacking in ego when speaking of his work. In fact, Lars and I had to really push Patch to get him to speak of the clown trips in terms of distress, disaster, and danger, because to him, they're just places in need of joy, laughter, and love. I know you are very humble. You don't want to, this is not why you do these trips, is to tell people about it. And that's my job, is to tell people about it in the hopes that other people will be inspired by your work and go and do the same thing and bring relief from suffering into dire and dangerous places. So that's why I'm asking you to share this, not to brag or to well, showboat. And, you know, when you say dire places... When I, when I clown in a hospital, I say, I want to go to who's suffering the most. So it's not a place, it's a person. And when you clown, you're going to disasters of children of all ages dying of cancer and those kinds of things to mental hospitals, locked wards, those kinds of places. And I estimate I've been at 10,000 deathbeds. I've clowned for men who were hung the next day for capital crimes. And so it's a wide variety. For me, it's maybe more complicated than for those kinds of people, the ones who answer your questions with, I don't know, nothing. Depressed, lonely people. I kept asking Patch about the most scary and sad places he'd clowned because I felt this is the piecework that led to the Nobel Peace Prize nomination. Well, finally, Lars was able to pull it out of him, but it took a while. Well, I want to tell you that for years, we had seven places we did clown trips yearly. Russia, Morocco was added most recently, Mexico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Ecuador, and the Amazon of Peru. And I think five times we've taken clowns into war. Those were not regular trips. Those were just side trips. Okay, Patch. Let's make a list. Afghanistan, Palestine, right? Yeah. Do you count that different than Israel? Yes, it is. Because you went to the Gaza Strip, right? Or no? We did. Yeah. We, we've been to Palestine more than once. Okay, so... And Israel as well. Okay, so Israel, Palestine, like more than once, Afghanistan, Jordan to the Syrian refugee camps. What about the hurricane in Bangladesh? Did you go to provide relief from suffering there? It was, it was uh, Sri Lanka. 
Yeah, Sri Lanka after the tsunami, Haiti after the earthquake, Cuba multiple times, the back country of El Salvador, and helped we they built a clinic there. Did you go to Iraq? No, you were going to. There was there was talks of going to Iraq. I can remember. Anyways. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anywhere else. I mean, when they started going to Russia, it was the Cold War. They were the enemy. It was the Soviet Union. The Soviet, okay. In the background was the growing struggle between two great powers to shape the post-war world. Soviet Russia was expensively stabbing westward, knifing into nations left empty by war. On orders from the Kremlin, Russia had launched one of history's most drastic political, moral, and economic wars, a Cold War. All right, Patcher, can you tell us how the clown trip started? Well, for me, everything I've done since 18 had clown, had my clowning as a part of it. However, we did our hospital from 1971 to 1983, 84. Within a year, I was realizing I have to care that whatever I was doing, it had to involve caring for others. And so I did two things. I had started lecturing all over the world, and I said, I answer all my mail. And that has been 500,000 letters. And it has a lot of care in it. And I wanted something physical, and so I started the clown trips. I said, let's go clowning. And so I was already going to Russia every year, and that was one could say, the first clown trip. Patch started going on clown trips to the former Soviet Union in the early 1980s, the final decade of the 40-plus year Cold War between America and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, a.k.a. Russia. Now, the Cold War developed after World War II, when the two countries' alliance devolved based on ideological differences of capitalism versus communism, and a fear of nuclear war between America and the USSR swept the globe. It was extremely difficult for citizens of either country to visit the, quote, enemy, and the threat of nuclear war was constant. You are the target of those who would trample the liberties of free men. You are in the crosshairs of the bomb site. An enemy is centering on you. You are a citizen of the free world, a citizen of the United States of America. Our president has told us that even against the most powerful defense, an aggressor in possession of an effective number of atomic bombs could cause hideous damage. And so farting became a really popular part because farts are funny in every country. I've learned to burp on my own. <coughs> a lot of it was clowning during the day and let's say dancing or partying or being with friends in the nighttime. Before you go any further there, will you tell us about the first clown trip to Russia and why you chose Russia? Well, maybe there are a lot of reasons why I chose Russia. I love Russian literature and have read a lot of Russian literature. They were also what was said to U.S. citizens as the enemy. Gone was the spirit of wartime unity that reached its peak on that historic afternoon in April 45 at the Elbe River in Germany. Here, two worlds actually met. 
But this coalition was to be torn asunder. And I wanted to go love and have fun with, quote, the enemy. The atmosphere in Moscow is grim, hostile. Its living god is Joseph Stalin. He has expelled the American ambassador. He says war with the imperialists is inevitable. I had been to Russia with my commune in 73, 74. Politically, it was a lot of U.S. citizens coming over to love the Soviet Union because at, at the first of the trip, it was the Soviet Union, not Russia. And love your, quote, love your enemy is basic peace work. And so we went to St. Petersburg and Moscow, and very quickly we met Maria. You know, she was caring for orphans, and she has a kind of personality that's hard to not quickly love. Maria, who runs an arts nonprofit called Maria's Children, working with orphans and special needs kids, is one of the people who makes Patch's Russian clown trips possible. I wonder if you can share about meeting Maria and how that relationship has imprinted your life. Well, I can say that Maria, I think, is one of my closest friends. She herself is a service-oriented person. Friendship very quickly became the basis. Marina, who is a friend of Maria's, and Maria, uh, Moscow and St. Petersburg. And, and I miss them. We, we did them for, what, 30 years or something? So Lars called Maria in Russia. Привет. Привет. Uh, I'm Maria Yeliseva, and I'm a director and founder of Art Foundation for children without parents and the kids with special needs. Uh, also, I'm a founder of a new project now that calls Tverskaya 15, and that one is uh, inclusive art space and cultural center for development of youth and children. Uh, so maybe one place to start would be like how you first met Patch and what that was like. I remember the moment. <laughs> Actually, I was a uh, director of the small studio, art studio in, the, in one town near Moscow. And uh, I wrote a letter to Patch and invited him to my project. And he uh, called me when he, uh, he came to Moscow. I remember talking to him. It was the city line, in, uh, and I lived in a communal apartment, which means there is one a telephone sitting at the common corridor, and there's uh, 20 people living there, and they all hate you <laughs> for using the phone. And uh, my English was very basic at the moment, and when he called, I realized that it's the first time I have to use my <laughs> foreign language I, I was learning. I couldn't, almost couldn't understand anything, except of he said that uh, he wanted me to come to the hospital, take the group to my studio. Do you remember what year this was? It was 1991. 
Okay, so 1991 was a significant year in the USSR. There was a Soviet coup d'etat attempt known as the failed August coup when communist leaders tried to take control of the country from President Gorbachev, who was working towards reform. Now, the 1991 failed coup lasted two days and led to the collapse of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and the dissolution of the USSR four months later. So when Patch called Maria, revolution was in motion. I came to the hospital. It was a cancer hospital. I uh, went there uh, by myself in just my regular clothes, and they didn't want to let me in. I said, I'm coming to meet Patch and the clowns. They allowed me to come, and I I happened to be in their huge room full of clowns, and then I saw Patch. He was wearing a costume that was a globe. Huge one. With all the balloons? No, it was uh, something different. Maybe he remembers what it was. I think it had some uh, metal uh, wires inside. It was all round and he was inside it. And of course the kids were, uh, they had fun with that. And Patch was, I remember Patch was putting them on his shoulders and he carried them around one after another. Fun fact, Patch is six foot four. So imagine how spectacular this giant human globe looked to the Soviet orphans. I uh, didn't want to interrupt. So only when it was all over and we went to my small art studio and there uh, I had another special experience with all my uh, little students. Uh, They were somewhere three to 17 and the patch and the clowns were coming in and I had a feeling like I'm one of these kids with my open mouth like this. And they were so adorable with the kids who I knew and I knew like this girl is very shy and I saw her becoming more and more alive with the clowns and hugging people. When I saw how great is this way to get closer to people, uh, like a special magic instrument when you just do really nothing but being funny and it works so well uh, that I think it's it's a kind of a magic, very simple and uh, universal instrument that anyone can use if they have the goal to make friends and uh, share love and compassion you can use anything you can wear the red nose or green glasses of any <laughs> friend it doesn't matter you can wear nothing but just uh, be very open and uh, but i think the red nose really helps because uh, it's a great sign of your integrity and your willing to be friendly back to patch and lars And all this time, Russia and the U.S. were having, the Soviet Union were having their thing until the, quote, Soviet Union ended and became Russia again, maybe. And we went to the, quote, rock and roll church where the clowns at night went there to hear music and to party. 
and wildly party. I can't believe I did shooters of vodka because I'm not really a big drinker, but there were times when I was uh, what we can call shit-faced. I don't know if you want to say poop-faced or we were... (laughs) You know, what was really obvious, and maybe you can comment about it yourself, Lars, because you joined it after we'd done it at least 20 years. You're a playful person. You saw that we were very playful people, and so I have a feeling you felt that you fit in right away. Definitely. One of the great stories Maria told us was about the time you guys uh, got arrested. I am a clown taking liberties. Do do you remember being in the police station in, in Russia? You know, I've been in several police stations, mostly as an unarrested person and more of an interested person. And so it would be fun to hear Maria's story about that. Oh, it's you'll hear it. It's amazing. And probably was Maria there as the interpreter? Yes. Then I know it was playful and naughty. Back to Maria and Lars and the story of Patch and the Clowns being arrested in Red Square. We like hearing some of the the wild stories. So maybe if you can remember some of the crazy stories of almost getting arrested for clowning in Russia. (laughs) Yes, every year on the Red Square was about to be arrested uh, or we were about to be arrested because of that idea that clowns, they make love on this place that is sacred for so many Russians. Every time I had to explain that there's something different, they're not making fun of the place. It's about playing with people and children who just walk by and who come to see the most important place in Russia. And I had an idea that here is a place to meet more people than anywhere else where he can just play with the citizens. And one year after another, my passport was photographed. And every time, though, I w- I looked like everybody else. I had a red nose, I had a costume, and a clown hat. And every year, they came to me and asked in Russian uh, what's going on, and without even listening much about what was going on, they were saying, you have five minutes to get out of here, otherwise you'll have problems. And every year I tried to (laughs) kick Patch away from troubles. But one year we didn't manage because Patch was so involved in playing with a group of kids and it was snowy. They told us to leave. And uh, I tried to get the clowns together, but it was not possible. They were not listening. They just were so happy playing and having fun with people. Plus, they loved the snow, and the snow was falling slowly on the Red Square. Then, all of a sudden, we had a group of militaries entering the Red Square and surrounding the clowns. They caught us, who couldn't (laughs) run so fast. And uh, we were in the military car. And we were brought to the to the police. And right then, Patch started playing with a policeman. He pretended that he's a pregnant woman that is giving birth. And he was laying on the floor and uh, trying to push the big balloon with a screaming, Mama, Mama, and trying to hug the big policeman. It was very interesting to see how he was at the same time very angry and very pleased, and I don't know what it was, just it was a mix of feeling, like he tried to make himself uh, angry and serious, but he couldn't. 
she couldn't. Finally, some other clown from Italy, he got a big cockroach out. The cockroach was on the remote control and he started the, the cockroach started running through the police station and uh, this clown Antonio he uh, he started jumping on the on the chairs and tables uh, screaming that oh you have huge cockroaches in Russia uh, I'm scared and uh, at the same time another clown Bowen Patch's close friend he uh, picked up uh, um, farting farting machine. Yeah. Parting machine. machine and uh, managed to put it under the big policeman who was a mama of patch <laughs> and uh, he farted so loudly <laughs> he, again he wasn't sure what to do it was funny and it was uh, completely outrageous for the situation and he kept telling that he will lock us in the cage plus I was laughing so much and we already stayed there for several hours and it was very cold. They didn't use, let us use the phones and uh, they didn't let us go to the toilet. And <laughs> you know how it worked when you know that you can't, of course you want to pee. I really wanted to go. I was worried that I will pee my pants. And then finally I was in despair. At the same time, I was laughing so hard. I was worried that uh, we'll stay overnight there because they said that uh, they won't, are not going to let us go. And I took my, at some moment when I thought they uh, didn't look, I get my phone out and I called a friend who I hoped can help us. He He's an owner, uh, owner of the restaurant and close friend. I only talked to his helper and said that we're in a police station and they took my phone away from me, just grabbed my phone and said, no, we told you no phones, but it was enough. So we <laughs> helped us right away and my friend called the people who were in charge and immediately a man came from the upstairs and he was just wearing a sweater. He shake Patch's hand and said, Oh, Dr. Patch Adams, how nice to meet you. We've heard of you so much. You're so brilliant. And thank you for coming to Russia. We're so pleased to be introduced to yourself. And Patch was disappointed. And he said, Please take me to Siberia. Take me to Siberia. <laughs> And this man was like, no, no, you can go with your group. And he said, Patch, no, please arrest me. Take me to Siberia. <laughs> I said, Patch, I'm sorry, but I'm leaving you <laughs> to go to the toilet. And I remember then we were running through the Red Square to the Hotel Russia that now does not exist to just go to the toilet because not just me, everybody wanted. And uh, Patch still rem remembers that I didn't let him have enough fun but it was great i agree it was very funny that's a perfect story <laughs> i love my life because uh, so many things that happened just because i had a conversation with patch you know several times i've been arrested for clowning but never it never stuck as a punishment it was always another interesting clown moment. Because I don't think I spent the night in jail. No, you didn't. She got right. you she got you guys out of there. Right. 
Easily. She knew who to call. Uh Uh-huh, right. We were exposed to this different world when people can speak very openly at these group meetings, let's say, or even on the bus, all these conversations in the clown bus, when you can be open and tell very intimate stories to someone who you've never met before. But somehow just I would say that by being in this group already was agreement or how to say being uh, very open, transparent, and uh, sharing. It was life-changing for not just the children, but many of the adults who were involved in this magical (laughs) mystery clown tours. I I feel like Patch would say the same thing about Maria and working with Maria's children. No, I uh, think because... No, I've met so many um, interesting people in my life, but there is no one like Patch who is so devoted, seriously devoted to his idea and his whole life is just a service. You know, we go to Beslan every year and some local authorities, they were very inspired with the clowns coming over to Beslan, to hospitals and the school. Uh, that had a terroristic attack. And... It was the first day of term in school number one in Beslan. In Russia, there are no classes when pupils come back from the summer. It's supposed to be a day of celebration and catching up with friends. But rebels storm the school and force more than 1,100 children, parents and teachers into a small gym. They wanted Russian troops to leave the nearby Republic of Chechnya. We were standing next to the school gates. I saw three people running in with machine guns. At first I thought it was a joke. Then they began shooting into the air and I ran away. This was the start of a siege that went on for 52 hours. It was cramped and swelteringly hot in the gym with no food or drink. There were bombs taped to the wall and hanging from the ceiling. Older pupils were forced to attach explosives to the basketball hoops and children were forced to stand near the windows as human shields. Other relatives were left waiting outside, desperate for news, terrified every time they heard gunfire. Hundreds of Russian security forces surrounded the school, and on the third day, they stormed the building. Explosives and gunfire rang out. There was no sign of medical teams or ambulances. The attackers shot some of the children in the back as they ran for freedom. But others were carried out, weak, half-naked and bleeding. 331 people died, 186 of them were children. Russia was in mourning. There were days of mass funerals. But many families and victims blame authorities, partly for not doing enough to prevent the attack, but also for the botched rescue operation. It's come out that security forces fired tanks and flamethrowers at the school. That's a BBC News clip about the Beslan school siege in 2004 in Chechnya, a republic of Russia that's been fighting for autonomy since the breakup of the Soviet Union. Inspired by Patch's clown piecework, Maria started clown workshops there after the Beslan school siege. Some authorities there were very inspired, and one of them 
who, who was one of the big chiefs at the Department of Education, who came, he once came to our party in, in his uh, red nose himself. He was wearing the red nose. And it was a great sign because a um, couple years before that, they were not sure that they uh, can trust strange Moscovites that come as clowns to such place where uh, that had lots of tragedy. It's not very obvious for people who went through some difficult circumstances that uh, this is the right thing to do, just to put more laughing and joy around the situation. It was not around the situation. I mean, always it's just for supporting people who suffered. Uh, this idea, I believe, uh, not only in Russia, everywhere in the world, uh, sometimes it's hard for people who are grieving to accept the compassion that comes through clown. Did you guys entertain or play with the um, survivors at the Besson School? Yes, that's right. We not just entertain them, we have the whole program that's been going on for uh, now 16 years. Uh, I bought a small house near school and we bring volunteers uh, several times a year and we do master classes, also the clown master class, and uh, we play clown games and do special things that we learn from people from Patches Group. So many of them are now very close to the children of that school or survivors who are both children who grow up now and the teachers. And we still support the teachers also. And some of them also put on the red nose. The patch will turn as many people into clowns as you possibly can. <laughs> Okay, my name is Ginevra. Yeah, Jean, you can make a shorter. Well, you know, okay, my English is not so good as your English, but I can speak Italian. That's Ginevra, an Italian clown friend of Lars and Patch, who was responsible for getting Patch's clown trip to Afghanistan off the ground in 2001. Now, we'll get into clowning in Afghanistan in the next episode. But while talking with Ginevra about that experience, she brought up her clowning with Maria and Patch in Beslan. You know, after the terrorist attack, they rebuilt the school. And there is a, a memorial where you can go and visit where all this poor people and children was killed. And they have a new school nearby. And uh, of course, each year we go, um, we met a new children. But the wonderful things is uh, Maria's children, Maria Yelisieva was this wonderful friend. What she did in Beslan, she went exactly after the terrorist attack, few months after with clown. And that was really an healing process for the children that was survived at the terrorist attack. And these children that now are growing and they are like a university and etc. And they are organized every year. The workshop for the clown come from outside, from uh, all over the world. And they, and they help the children. There's these children that were 
uh, at that time were inside in the school and they survived. And the, and now there is a wonderful relation between the new children and the old children, but with the, you know, with the clown connection in between. Also, we can speak about peace during our game. And it's very important because uh, still in, in this country, there is a lot of conflict. It's very important to speak about peace. Uh, I went many times to give workshop with other friends, clown friends. Patch went in 2019 for the first time. Yeah, it's very also in a situation like that. Very important, difficult situation difficult in the sense of political situation. It's uh, still very delicate. But again, the clown presence was and are important for children. You know, I remember, I have this very clear memory of uh, one day we give this, this assignment to a group of children in Beslan in this school. Please uh, represent your dream. And so all the, the boy represent, the dream was to have a gun and to go into war and shoot. So clown is needed. <laughs> Wherever I went in Russia, I was a crazy clown. No, I, I guess it would be a good time for you to explain your clown character. Um, the guy with the fish is... Patch's clown character. So who is the guy with the fish? Right. Well, I think I can say I had a duck on my head, a fish in my hand, outrageous clothes, and I didn't get out of character. But my clown character doesn't know anything and loves everybody. And I would use that character on very serious and uniformed policemen or whoever I met. And he was seductive. People had very great difficulty in rejecting him <laughs> because he was too adorable. And, you know, partly at 6'4 and 200 pounds, I, I, and not being overweight, that I, I could have been an imposing person, a scary person. And my character, <sighs> I did a huge amount of improv, and the improv was so foolish that whoever wanted to be serious with me ended up being sucked into the foolishness. And a lot of their lives, a lot of the Soviet police lives or lives of the Russian police were much more serious than they wanted. So they were actually delighted. My experience was they were delighted to meet us and they were answering a call about clowns disrupting something. So it was fun for them to interface with people that they liked. And it explains a lot. It explains a lot about why and how I exist the way I do. And you know, I'm there too, right? Duh. Like literally my whole life, every space we entered, you you altered the energy of that space just by how colorful and ridiculous your expression is. So that 
you know, that instilled in me that seeing that showed me that like, wow, this is more than just dressing like a clown. This changes the space. This changes how people interact with me. Like dressing like a colorful freak every day of my life has led me to have the most amazing freaky friends. At When we are beacons, we draw the weirdos to us. And I feel more validation than ever to keep being a beacon. And you wonder, Lars, how many times you saw me run up to an old woman in whatever country and go mama. Oh, I mean, that's one of the first games I learned from you uh, as a clown was definitely identifying the person in the room that was going to be mama or dada. That was a very fun game that I still play to this day. They love it every time. We haven't mentioned the pacifier that I traditionally wear. There you go. So another object that when you're sucking a pacifier, people know that they've given their baby a pacifier and that I'm a baby. It's really funny to me how when I finally found my clown character that I, I was able to fully lose myself in, um, it was, it's Dolphin Boy. So, and I'm carrying around two rubber dolphins not far from a fish. And they are my power objects and they have led me to levels of play and connection that I did not know was possible. Um, and so here we are. Uh, two simple, joyous, loving clown characters with sea creatures as our main prop. Right. The guy with the fish and Dolphin Boy. That I always wanted children. I think you know that, that I have loved both my children and that what we've done together in clowning has, I'm going to say, is holy in an unreligious way. Absolutely. And it, it showed me that there is really infinite capacity to love others in a way our society has not encouraged us to love. And it is absolutely holy. <laughs> I'm very grateful. It has shaped me in more ways than I will ever know and has given me the richest friendships. Like a two weeks of a clown trip, the, the connection and how deep you can go with people that you just met, it's a lifetime worth of friendship that can happen in two weeks. You know, and one of those, one of those people is the oldest person who's been on a clown trip, Pat. She's 92 when she came, first came on a clown trip and it so seduced her that she went home to Seattle, Washington, and has been clowning there ever since. So, of course, we had to get in touch with Pat, who, as of this recording, is 94. My name is Patricia, uh, obviously, and um, my maiden name was Swayze. I've been Nelson since 1948. Uh, I'm a behavioral scientist. I have a master's degree in applied behavioral science. Uh, My interest has always been in people. Uh, understanding them, working with them. Uh, for years, I worked up with a bachelor's degree teaching nursery school for many years. I was seated in an eatery that's adjacent to one of our 
nice grocery stores. And um, the woman who was sitting next to me uh, as I ate my lunch was writing a very long letter, pages and pages of yellow papers, and, you know, the long pages. And I thought, wow. So after before I left, I just tapped her on the shoulder and I said, I don't know who you're writing to, but it's certainly somebody important to you. And she just laughed and said, well, yes, I'm writing to Patch Adams. That's when I first began hearing about what Patch is doing. I've known about him historically, you know, but not currently. So she started telling me about about uh, going down to the programs that Patch was doing, and especially the one that was scheduled for the coming season. So I signed up to go before she got out of her chair. That's amazing. And how old were you when you signed up to go on Patch's trip? Last year. So how old are you now? 94. That's just on paper. And I'm, I have frequently been the oldest person in this kind of an activity or that kind of an activity because, um, because I have been. Because how many people my age are still doing any kind of thing like that? And I don't even think about it anymore. It's just uh, what I do. I think one of the favorite parts to me was when we went to organizations who were expecting us and knew who we were or what we were. We didn't have to prove anything. We just came in to be part of what was there. Um, I remember one time we went to a, a place where it was, was looked like it was sort of a, kind of a penalty prison or something for boys, um, teenage boys. And that was uh, a little strange at first. However, we got going and, and we got some games going and they were a great game for the games. and. And it was quite natural. We just fit right in with them. There was no self-consciousness about what we were doing. We were clowns. And clowns were what we were. So what does a clown do? You don't have to do any way you be. And that was one of the most interesting things to me was that it was not about antics uh, as such. It was about who we were inside these costumes. That we were just ourselves. We didn't. We weren't clowns anywhere. We were people who came to make them laugh. What is the secret to longevity? <sighs> Laughter. Um, learning uh, everything you can by wherever you are. Taking in your environment and becoming a part of it. Music. Uh, involvement in what's going on. <clears throat> Living every life, every piece of your life, not, not being a, an observer but being a part of whatever's going on. Hmm. I've done a lot of being a part of a lot of things in my life. That's the biggest thing is just uh, realizing that each opportunity we have is a presentation of an environment and we have a chance to be observers or participants. Hmm. And I've always been a participant. Because of your philosophy that anybody has the capacity to be a clown, when they put on a clown costume and they embrace uh, connecting with others and being playful. Um, that taught me to find the clown in others. That's basically our goal as clowns is to bring the clown out of others. And so. But I found that if I am playing in my clown zone, that I, it's like a passport to getting close to anybody I want to get close to. In the next episode, we hear about Patch's clown trips into war. 
stories of Patch's humanitarian clown tour to Afghanistan, and combat war vets with PTSD who were transformed by their new uniforms and assignments as humanitarian clowns. It's the Best Day of My Life is produced by Rainbow Valentine Studios. Produced by Lars and Patch Adams, Rainbow Valentine, and Thessaly Lerner. Written and edited by Thessaly Lerner. Scored, mixed, and mastered by Ryan Reeves. Narrated by Rainbow Valentine. Music by Hope for a Golden Summer, The Ukulele, Greg Moore, Will Collins, and Noodle McDoodle. Thanks to Derek Busby, our partners at Pantheon Podcasts, and you, our audience. I'm Rainbow Valentine. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, by the way... This series is produced by a group of all volunteers. That's right, we are producing, editing, and all this stuff for free because we believe in this story. If you can help us in any way, swing by rainbowvalentine.com and send us an email. Please join me in raising a glass to the downfall of evil. Wah-ha-ha! <laughs>